Welcome to the second episode here with us at Mott 10 Sports, and I'm your host, Dave Shoemate. Before we get things started for this episode, do not forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Mott 10 Sports and on Instagram at Mott 10 Sports SEC. With that being said today, guys, we're going to do our SEC West preview. So over the next two episodes, we're going to break down the SEC West and SEC East. I'm going to give you the predicted order finish for every team in each division, and we're going to go through each schedule. So leading off first, it's going to come as no surprise to most. With the SEC West, we're going to go leading off here with the Alabama Crimson Tide taking home the SEC West crown. Personally, I think last year was Coach Saban's best coaching job overall. You heard him this week, maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but they overachieved in his in his uh, mind. So I think this year they got a lot back. The best player on offense in college football, the best player on defense, bar none, and Will Anderson on defense. Um I think it's just the perfect recipe right now. I, I, I think it's the perfect recipe between what happened last year, a lot of experience back, both coordinators back. You just you have to like the way the Crimson Tide is set up. And we'll get into the schedule here in a moment, but I just don't think there's anybody on the schedule that is really – they'll have a game. There will be a game. I don't know where it is. I keep kind of thinking it may be in Baton Rouge later in the season in November. There's going to be a game where they're going to be tested. There always is. Every team every year has got to overcome something. There'll be a schedule to get tested. I just don't think they'll actually lose and get the L. Offense has 61% of its production back. The defense has 70% of its production back. Again, two of the higher numbers in the league. Strength. I mean, we could name a lot here. we got the quarterback. We talked about Bryce Young. we got Will Anderson. Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell. There's some question marks, a couple on the offensive line and some receivers stepping up, but I think those will be answered. But the strengths of the team are no doubt about it. The reigning Heisman winner, Bryce Young at quarterback, and the edge rushers that Alabama is going to bring. It's it's going to be rough on some opposing offenses this year with that defense. They seem like a confident bunch. Going into the concerns, I'm going to tell you right now, offensive tackle, He's going to be one of them. Who steps up at off the tackle? They brought in Vanderbilt transfer Tyler Steen. But last year, you just didn't see the physicality out of the time. Now, they did bring in a new coach, like we talked about last episode, Eric Walford. I think will do a great job. You can kind of tell Saban's like in the process, the maturation process of these guys coming in. Another issue I think you're going to see is an interior D lineman. Again, Alabama, all their great teams that had have had dominant interior pass rushers, dominant interior run forces. Jonathan Allen, Christian Barmore, keep naming it going down the line. You just got to, et cetera. It's easy to name off who the Quinnen Williams. It, it, it doesn't stop. Um, this year, you're going to have to have guys like DJ Dale, Byron Young, Justin E. Boy step up. Somebody's going to have to step up. Not saying they can't. I just don't think there's a for sure guy that the established guy that has production there. But I think it could be a guy. I lean a little bit towards Byron Young. And DJ Dell doesn't really have the length you like. But guys played some football. He has a little niche in that all in that defense. Schedule. So when I break down these teams' schedule, just to give you a little bit of overview, I'm a, I'm a big three-game stretch guy. Let me say that again. I'm a big three-game stretch guy. Uh, I love the tied schedule. Things can be in favor of them. But the three-game stretch would be at Arkansas – Texas A&M, and at Tennessee. I think that's the three toughest stretch right there. I, Arkansas, I think they're a little one-dimensional right now. Again, you got to be multifaceted to beat the Tide. Texas A&M, that game is circled. That is the game they lost last year, obviously, at Kyle Field in the last second. They're 
a lot of off-the-field stories that are going to – I just don't see the Tide losing that at home. And at Tennessee, I just don't think Tennessee's ready for that. Again, could be another one-dimensional type team on offense, throws the ball a lot, looking for that second receiver, Tennessee. And the defense, the offense hurts the defense a little bit. I just don't think they're ready for that game. But that could be one. I just think that's the toughest three-game stretch for the Tide. Must-win game, October 8th versus Texas A&M. It's on the schedule. They need to win that game. I think they will. It's the game they got circled. That's the one they're playing all throughout the weight room on the TVs in the offseason. That is the one that I truly believe the Tide needs to win and will win. So with that being said, I have the Crimson Tide running the table, going 12-0, 8-0 in conference, representing the SEC West again in Atlanta again, and you're going to have a real shot at defending their SEC championship crown. Moving to my second team in the West, I like the Texas A&M Aggies, man. I really do. I have them finishing 10-2 overall, 6-2 in conference. I like the Aggies this year. I really do. I think, I think they got the third most talent in the league behind Alabama and Georgia. Depth's there, just a little bit in, inexperienced, but I do think the depth is there. Uh, year five under Jimbo Fisher, some people will be wanting a little more out of Jimbo than I feel like they've seen, but you know what? The Aggies don't get a lot of credit for their 2020 season. The COVID year, the year they lost one game and won the Orange Bowl, I feel like that's a little bit forgotten. I know last year was a weird year. They lost to both Mississippi schools, lost to Arkansas. They'd been 7-5 and five without beating Alabama last year, and that's real. That, that was real. Bowl game got canceled against NC State. But I do think they are the most, the third most talented team in the league. I do think maybe not this year, but next year, 2023, I do like the Aggies. But moving on to 22 right here, four straight top 10 recruiting classes, best ever of all time last year in recruiting ranking, in modern day recruiting ranking history. Uh, they just need to find that program quarterback for the next few years. Max Johnson, Haynes King, Connor Wigman, one of them is going to have to step up to be the future of A&M. And I think somebody's going to win that job and somebody's coming back. So that'll be the first time in a while since Kellen Mond that they really had their program, their face back in College Station for the coming year. Uh, 62% of the production on offense is back. 60% of the production is back on defense as well. Strength. I like the offensive line and secondary. You got three starters back in the offensive line with Ruben Fatherly and Bryce Foster, both benefiting and playing a lot early, playing a lot earlier than expected last year, which will benefit them for this year. Four star- starters back in the secondary, like I mentioned, between Antonio Johnson, Damani Richardson, leading the secondary. You like that group. Um, concerns: there is a new, there's a new DC in town. Mike Elko went on. He's running the Duke Blue Devil program now. I will say Mike Elko got that defense back in shape. For a while there under Kevin Sumlin, the Aggies put up a lot of points but didn't play a lot of defense. Elko changed that culture at A&M when Coach Fisher hired him. Coach Fisher always kind of respected what Mike Elko did when he used to face him at Florida State when they would play Wake Forest, when Elko was at Wake Forest, brought him in. He's now gone. Like I mentioned, he's at Duke. They brought in DJ Durkin from Ole Miss who improved the Rebel defense significantly last year. So that's a big hire, but there will be a bit of a transition. Another one, I'm one of those guys running backs are a dime a dozen. I feel like there's a lot of great ones. There's a lot of pretty good ones, but there's a big gap between great ones and pretty good ones. I thought Spiller is pretty good, but who's going to replace him? That kid has played a lot of football at Texas A&M and College Station. Who's going to replace him? I think initially they may struggle with that, the big back. They got Devin A-Chain, 
who is a mixed match explosive guy could score anytime the ball touches his hands, but they do need a compliment to him. And I think initially early in the year, they may struggle to find that. It's time It's time for them to step up and find a receiver. I mean, they got Jalen Preston and Chase Lane coming back, but it's Evan Stewart, the freshman. I saw some fall camp highlights of Evan Stewart coming out. Guy looks explosive, change of direction. Another guy could take the ball to the end zone anytime the ball touches his hands. They're going to have to get the ball to him. They need to be explosive from the receiver standpoint. It's one thing Coach Fisher always gets a little flat for is the lack of explosiveness. I mean, the way the offense has been operating right now, I think they led the country in 2020, the Orange Bowl year, in third down conversion rate. You're asking a lot in today's time to go 12 plays and converting a lot of third downs. It's just asking a lot. You have to be able to take the top off the defense and score from far. Evan Stewart gives them that. I'm expecting big things out of that guy this year. The inexperience. I think the defensive line from top to bottom talent-wise Maybe top two, maybe number one. There's not, not a lot of experience. Walter Nolan, Shamar Stewart, Levis Overton, and Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, who they just signed all in the best class ever in 2022. Talented group. Again, I'm on record. Third most talented team in the SEC. Just inexperienced. But I'll tell you what, as the 2022 season winds down later in the year, I really do like the Aggies. I like the Aggies getting better as the season goes on. I do have their two slip-ups. I have them losing to Arkansas early in the year, that September 24th game in Arlington. I think that is going to be a game they slip up and lose. I really do. I think it's going to be early, young, inexperienced teams still trying to find their footing in the league, and they lose. And I think they go on the road to Tuscaloosa and the big game of the century. There's always one every year. Everybody's fired up for that. I do think they do not go to Tuscaloosa and get that win. But I think I don't think they lose again. I think they win out, beat South Carolina, Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, LSU, I think they went out and finished 10-2, and 6-2 and two in conference, and I got the Aggies finishing second in the West. Three-game stretch that the Aggies had, that's their toughest on their schedule. Arkansas in Arlington, at Mississippi State, and at Alabama. That's their three-game stretch right there. They need to get at least one. That's where I think they lose two out of those three, though, because on the schedule, I have them losing to Arkansas and Alabama. Uh, but I do think they go on the road and beat Mississippi State. But I think that is their toughest three-game stretch right there. Their must-win game is November 26th versus LSU. I think they have to win that game. It's not good if Brian Kelly comes into his first year in Baton Rouge and goes into college field that last weekend and pulls out that win. They need to win that game, and I think they will. So that's where I got the Aggies finishing second in the SEC West at 10-2 and and 6-2 overall in the SEC. Moving to my third team. In the SEC West, I have the Arkansas Razorbacks. I have the Razorbacks going 9-3 and three overall, 5-3 and three in the SEC. Overall, Sam Pittman going to his third season, everyone bashes hire. I was a big fan of the hire. I was in the industry at the time, couldn't say a whole lot. But I feel like he was just a perfect fit. He'd been there before. Big hog mollies, just fits it. Culture guy, perfect fit for Arkansas. Has definitely exceeded expectations. Like I talked about last episode, both coordinators, quarterback back. And I'll be honest with you. We'll do a segment on this later. Arkansas's hit its ceiling with Sam Pittman. I don't think they can get any better. I think when you move Texas, Oklahoma in the league, it's going to make it tough tough sledding a little bit more for the Hogs in recruiting to get those kids in that geographic region to say, hey, come play for that SEC badge right there on my jersey. I don't know if they can say that anymore, but I do think Sam Pittman is there. They need to give the guy a lifetime contract because he's the best. It's going to get there. But that's good. That's not a bad thing. I think they just hit their ceiling. Um 
Going back to 2022, the Hogs have 65% of production back on offense and 60% back on defense. The strength of this 2022 team, I think, is just the overall run game. Four starters back on the offensive line, three of the top 25 rushers in the SEC, and Dominic Johnson, Raheem Sanders, and their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. I think they're going to be able to run the ball uh, against really most teams they want. They do, going to my concerns, they're going to have to have some weapons step up outside. I One person is not going to be able to replace Traylon Burks. He was 31% of the team's targets last year. They're going to have to do it by committee. Brought in Jaden Hazelwood, who led uh, Oklahoma in receiving last year, 2021. I do think he will be able to help, but they're going to have to have some other guys really step up, whether it's Warren Thompson Jr., Isaiah Sektigna, a new freshman for Fayetteville that's going to step up. They're going to have to have, it's going to have to be more by committee. And I think that's a possibility. I just don't think they're going to be able to replace Traylon Burks in one year. Um, and the defensive line is a major concern for me. I don't think they're able to replace John Ridgeway, Markel Etsy, and Trey Williams. Uh, Sam Pippen, SEC Media Days, did say he thinks it'll be better. They just did add a new defensive line coach, Deke Adams. Me, personally, I don't think it is. Now, granted, Barry Odom's scheme, he only, has, he only usually has three hand-down defensive linemen. Dropping eight, but they have gone on note saying they want more production out of their own defensive line. So that's what they're going to get. And I think Nick Adams is a good hire. I just don't know if they'll be able to replace that. And that is a big issue to me. They got Isaiah Nichols and Zach Williams, but they need some other guys. They need somebody to step up uh, and provide some of that production that the Hog defense is looking for. Three game stretch for the Hogs that I think is critical to the season is Texas AM in Arlington. Alabama at home, and at Mississippi State. Must win game. I think random, but the Hogs need to. This is one of their weird losses they had last year was Auburn at home. This year they return the favor, go to the Plains October 29th and play Auburn. I think it's a game. Farisol is going to take it to that next level. They need to go win that game this year. In Auburn, I know it's a road game, but you have a veteran squad. You need to go beat the teams you're better than, you need, even if it's on the road. Two years ago they could have won it with the Bo Nicks backwards fumble that probably Arkansas, not probably Arkansas should have won that game. They kind of got screwed out of that. They should have won that game. But they've lost Auburn two years in a row. It's time to end that. And I think if Arkansas is going to be a top team in the SEC year in, year out, and get the program rolling year three for Coach Pittman here, they need to go to Auburn and win that game on the 29th of October. I do have them losing to Alabama, at Mississippi State, and then LSU. I think that'll be their three losses in conference. Again, 9-3, and 5-3 and three overall. Uh, an interesting game, a little mixed in there for a bye week. They do go at BYU, should be pretty good. That'll be a tough challenge, but I do think they win that game before they go fresh into a bye week to wrap up the season. But again, got the Hogs finishing third in the SEC West at 9-3 and 5-3 and and in conference. Moving on to my fourth team in the SEC West. This may come to a surprise to some. I like Mississippi State. That's who I have here at fourth. I'm, I'm going to have them finishing at eight and four overall and four and four in conference. We'll get to the schedule here in a minute. Uh, overview both quarter, coordinators and quarterback back. Again, that's a, that's a recipe I do like. Most production back in the SEC, 80%. That's it. At all 14 teams, Mississippi State has got the most production back. Big year for Mike Leach, in my opinion. Uh, the game against Ole Miss, the game against Texas Tech in the Liberty Bowl left a sour taste in the mouth of some in Starkville. But they do have 72% of production back on offense and 85% of production on defense. Again, 80% overall. I think it's big. 
Uh, Leach needs to go, I think. He really needs to go win seven, eight games, and one of those needs to be Ole Miss. I'll get to that to a minute. Strengths on this team, just the continuity within the program. Just, again, we keep talking about the returning production, both coordinators, quarterback. Back. They got a lot back, and they're a pretty talented team. I, I really do like them. I think another strength is the run defense. Um, 74 play. Now, granted, they do get thrown on a lot, uh, but I do think Mississippi State up front on the defensive line is going to cause people issues early in the season. And I do like the dogs to be better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Production, continuity means a lot in college football just from being in it that I know that is going to translate over. Some concerns, I mean, you're, you're replacing both your tackles in Charles Cross and Scott Lashley. Um, and again, I mean, we've talked about it. There's some questions at safety. Uh, we're going to have to get that figured out for them. And then kicker and punter, I mean, last year it cost them. The LSU game was a situation they lost on special teams. Arkansas was one. I believe they had one more where special teams hurt them. That's when Leach came out post-game against Arkansas saying they had an open trout. They brought a kicker on from Coastal Carolina, which they think will shore up that issue. Um, and overall, just their schedule. They got a tough SEC East draw with playing Georgia and Kentucky. You can make a case that's one of the tougher East draws out there in the uh, in the conference. Um I would probably have stayed a little higher if they drew someone else out of the East, but they get Georgia, so I'm going to give them that fourth loss. Again, I do have the dogs going 8-4 and four and 4-4 four and four in conference. Uh, their must-win game, November 24th versus Ole Miss. I think this is a massive year for Mike Leach if he can go 7-5, and 8-4, and four and get that win in Starkville. That'll be a big win. He needs to get that this year. They said that he'd be 0-3 if he lost it this year, so he needs to get that after starting off 0-2. Just peeking at the schedule here, um, we got, I think the dogs take, I think they go to Baton Rouge September 17th and get that win. Call me crazy. I think LSU will be breaking in a new offensive line with Mississippi State's defensive line experience. They Mississippi State won the last time they were there. It would be crazy to think Mississippi State wins back-to-back times in Tiger Stadium, but I do think they get it done. Call me crazy. But I do think they lose to Texas A&M. I think they lose at Kentucky. That's a game that they could drop. They lose at Alabama, and I think they lose to Georgia. Go 8-4, and 4-4 four, four and four in conference. I like them finishing fourth in the West. And I like Mississippi State this year. I really do. Moving on to fifth in the West here. I like the LSU Tigers here. When was the last time we talked about LSU finishing fifth in the West? It's interesting. 2020 wasn't great for the Tigers with that O. But fifth, I'm looking at it right now. It's hard to even look at it and see that five next to their name. Uh, but I do have the Tigers going 8-4, 4-4. Uh, over uh, overview, Brian Kelly's first year, they have a quarterback battle with Jane Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, and Miles Brennan. Uh, 54% of the production's back on offense, 64% of the production's back on defense. Madhouse, new DC, it turned around Kentucky's defenses in 17 and 18, came from the Kansas City Chiefs. I do like Madhouse. I like him a lot. I think he's going to help them. This year, they'll be better, but I think down the line, he's going to be a real asset to this LSU program and Brian Kelly. Uh, the strengths for the Tigers, first with the wide receivers, Kayshawn Boutte, Malik Neighbors, Dre Jenkins, and Jake Besh. I, dude, you, you got to like that crew. It's a good crew. They just have to have a quarterback and can get them the ball, and the offensive line's going to have to protect them. The next strength of the team I like is the defensive line edge rushers. I like Ali Gay, B.J. Ojolari, Jaqueline Roy. They ranked top 15 in negative plays behind the line of scrimmage last year. I do think that continues. I do like the Tigers' front. Um... I think that'll help them win. I mean, the recipe to winning, if you can get a quarterback and have D-line, 
it goes a long way. LSU just needing that quarterback. But I do think the LSU front is going to be something to be messed with. Concerns? I think it's the offensive line and secondary. Uh, a lot of inexperience back on the offensive line. They may start two true freshmen, at least one. There's just not a lot of experience left on that offensive line. And that's not good when you ever transition a new quarterback, no matter if it's Miles Brennan, Jaden Daniels, um, or Garrett Nussmeyer. It doesn't matter. That's not a good recipe to go into when you have an inexperienced offensive line. Another weakness, I think, right now, you don't really say this a whole lot, but it's Der- the secondary. Lost Derek Stingley, Eli Ricks, Cordell Flott. Uh, brought in some solid transfers, though. Some Louisiana kids from Arkansas, Greg Brooks, Joe Fuchsia. And a guy I'm hearing a lot that LSU cannot afford to lose is the Oklahoma State transfer at safety, Jarek Bernard Converse. Guy is going to be a big asset to that secondary. If you see an improvement, I think that guy's going to have something to do with it, and it's somebody they cannot afford to lose. Uh, looking at the schedule, the crucial three-game stretch I have for the Tigers here is at Auburn, Tennessee at home, and at Florida. Uh, it's a That's going to define the season there. Uh, they could be going to a ruckus environment at Auburn. If Auburn beats Penn State, they're probably rolling into that game 4-0. Tennessee, they get Tennessee the week before Tennessee plays Alabama. That'll be very interesting. And then at Florida and Billy Napier's first year, it'll be a tough game. Any game at the Swamp is never going to be easy. Must win, though. I've said it. I had a poll on Twitter at Mock 10 Sports. Who has to win that first weekend of college football? It is definitely the LSU Tigers. LSU has to win that Labor Day weekend game against Florida State on that Sunday night in New Orleans in the Superdome. They need to win that game. Not a good start if you go lose to a Florida State team that is looking like they may not be there after next year. You need to go win that game, Brian Kelly. That is a big game for you. I do have them winning the Florida State game. I do have them dropping to Mississippi State. I do have them dropping at Auburn. LSU always struggles at Jordan-Hare. I think they do lose that game. Uh, I think they lose to Alabama, and I think they lose to Texas A&M. And again, that would put them at 8-4 and four overall and 4-4 four and four in the West. Not a bad first year, and I do think 8 is the number Brian Kelly needs to get to to springboard. Uh, in recruiting. They're starting to lock up some kids in Louisiana as the summer's coming to an end and we get closer to the season. So I do think the Tigers, they can get eight. You're looking at a great trajectory to springboard this season to beyond and locking down recruiting and just getting some positive momentum, especially if Garrett Nussmeyer, who I think wins the job, wins the job, has a productive season. He's back. Again, kind of like A&M. You have your quarterback back for another season. It's massive. But I do think the Tigers do get there at 8-4, and four, and I like them fifth in the SEC West. Moving to my sixth team, some people may not like this, but there's just not enough continuity coming back for me to rank you any higher than this. Uh, I got the Ole Miss Rebels at sixth. I got them going 7-5, and 3-5 and five in the SEC. Overview, uh, last year Lane Kiffin did a tremendous job. First 10-win regular season in school history. They have 49% of the production back on offense, 68% of the production back on defense. Complete overhaul of the roster. They, they lost a lot of people. They lost Matt Corral, their top three receivers, leading tackler on defense, Chance Campbell, Sam Williams coming off the edge. They lost a lot of people. and They signed a great transfer portal class. Now, we'll see how that translates, but they did. They, they signed a great tra- uh, transfer portal class. We'll see how they grow as the, as the season continues. The strengths of the team, you got to love the offensive line. Finished in the top 25 last year in run push. You really do. They got a lot, so a lot of experience back on the offensive line. I do like that unit uh, that helps with the quarterback battle. Concerns, like I mentioned, 
lack of continuity, lost offensive coordinator, lost defensive coordinator, and their strength and conditioning coach who went to Oregon. Lost your quarterback, top three receivers, top three running backs. Like I mentioned, lost Sam Williams and Chance Campbell. And the last five games of the year are really tough to schedule. It's crazy it sounds. I have the Rebels starting 7-0 and and not winning again. I, I really do. Getting into the schedule, I'll pull up the big schedule here in a minute. Schedule, I think their toughest three-game stretch will be hosting Alabama. This is the last three games of the year. Hosting Alabama, going at Arkansas, and then coming back after a two tough physical games against Alabama at home and at Arkansas in a short week, Thanksgiving night, again against Mississippi State. That's a tough three-game stretch, especially when you've lost four in a row going into that Mississippi State game, I think. To rally the troops there, I think that will be tough. Again, I think the must-win game is going to sound crazy off a team who's won two years in a row. But I think that November 24th game versus Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl is big for both programs this year. Mississippi State's got to get that win to get that first win under Mike Leach in the Egg Bowl, give him his first win against Ole Miss. And I think Lane just got to prove to stop the bleeding, I think, at that point. Because I think they're going to be in a four-game losing streak, throwing a bye week. It's over a, It's about – we're getting close to two months without a win. How is that going to be? How is the continuity of a team that hasn't been together for years, the blood, sweat, and tears that all these guys work through together, just the culture? How is that going to be when you've lost three or four games in a row? You haven't won a game in a month and a half. If that prediction of what I'm saying comes true, I think it's going to be tough for them to rally the troops a bunch of transfers to go win a rivalry game against Mississippi State. I, re- I really do. But with that said... I have the Rebels finishing 7-5 and five overall, 3-5 and five in the SEC. Looking at the schedule here, I mean, again, I think they start off 7-0. I think they get Troy, beat Central Arkansas, win at Georgia Tech, get the Tulsa win. I think they beat Kentucky at home. They win at Bandy. They beat Auburn here at home. Ah, but I think they lose out. I mean, listen to this five-game stretch. At LSU, at Texas A&M, bye week, Alabama at home, at Arkansas, and Mississippi State. I mean, there's a real shot at best they're a favorite maybe in one of those. Maybe two, depending on the season's going. It's a little too early to tell. That is a rough stretch, and that's why I have them finishing 7-5 and five overall and 3-5 and five in the conference. And moving on to the team that I think will finish last in the West. I think they'll be better than people expect, but someone has to finish last in this daunted division. Is the Auburn Tigers. I think they finished 6-6, six and 2-6. Six, in uh, the SEC overview, crazy 2021 season and offseason for Auburn. I mean, what are they? They lost five straight to end the season. That's just, they were at six and two at one point, just lost out, should have won the Iron Bowl. Uh, all the stuff we're not going to get into about Brian Harson that I actually think probably bonded the team a little bit more than people are giving it credit for. Just a crazy first year for Auburn and Brian Harson. Two new coordinators. They are both promoted up Eric Keesaw and Jeff Smeeting. Uh, get Jeff Schmetting just promoted within to offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Guys that have been with Harson at Boise, he feels comfortable with them. Uh, they do have a quarterback battle with Zach Calzada and TJ Finley. I think Zach Calzada comes out on top on that. 65% production on offensive back, 65% production on defense back. Uh, strengths, I think the run game. I think they got four starters back, three super singers on that offensive line that I think is going to really help the Tigers. And they already had a top three, top two running back room in, in the conference with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. Um, also, I think defensive line and edge rushers will be a major strength. Just not a lot of depth. They do have Derek Hall and Kobe Wooden who moves around all over the place. An all-SEC caliber duo. Also have Iku Leota 
Marcus Harris, brought in Jason Jones from Oregon, and Jeffrey Inbaugh with the number one defensive tackle in the JUCO ranks last year. So trying to trying to build some of that depth there, but they're a couple injuries away from it not being great there. Uh, concerns, quarterback T.J. Finley, the second worst quarterback ranking in the SEC in 2021 if he ends up winning the job. Zach Calzada finished just a notch above him. So both weren't great last year. Um, lost top two receivers from last year, Kobe Hudson, Transferred to UCF, Demetrius Robertson just out of eligibility. I like Shadrick Jackson and Javarius Johnson. I just don't think they're number one guys in this league, and I think they're complimentary guys who could be two and three. Auburn needs a guy to step up to be that number one. Could be cool and more, but I just don't see it right now. Uh, top two linebackers are gone from last year. Zagobi McLean and Chandler Wooten. Owen Papo did decide to come back. Can he stay healthy, though? It's a very thin inside linebacker position for the Tigers. If uh, he doesn't go down, they brought in Eugene Asante, another transfer inside the inside linebacker room that's supposed to help out. But again, very thin there. Um, can Cam Riley, he's added some weight I saw in the offseason. Can he turn in and be a productive player for the Tigers in that front seven? Oh, just overall depth, man. I mean, I'm looking at it. Worst two-year recruiting run in 20 years in that program. In 20 years. That screams we don't have depth. I just don't think – I think it's going to be a very similar deal to last year where I personally think Auburn starts off 5-0. and You heard me. I think they start off 5-0. and They get Penn State at home. They get LSU at home. Their first five games are at home. I think they win both of them and roll into that game in Oxford, which will be big. No one's talking about it right now. I think they roll – I think Ole Miss will be undefeated when Auburn comes into town, and I think Auburn will be 5-1. and uh, I just think the back half of the season gets them again. Looking at the daunting three-game stretch I have of them, Arkansas at home, at Mississippi State, and Texas A&M will be their season-defining three-game stretch. Must-win game, September 17th against Penn State. I know it's not an SEC game, but it's at home, and it gets them off to a rocking hot start, I think, if they can win that. They should get their first two. Taking a peek at the schedule, they open up in Mercer and get San Jose State at home. They should win both those. If they get Penn State, they got Missouri at home the next week. I think they win that. Then I think they beat LSU. If they're undefeated 4-0 when LSU comes to town, they will win that game. Then they go to Georgia. I think they lose that. I think they'll lose that Ole Miss. And then they'll lose to Arkansas. Lose to Mississippi State on the road. Lose to Texas A&M. Western Kentucky at that point is not just a total easy win. That's a tougher game from a group of five team. Then Alabama. I mean, I think they go finish six and six, but again, though, they're going to lose six out of their last seven. I mean, that's it's not again. It's almost like deja vu all over again in Auburn. It's deja vu all over again. We're going to start off five and zero, oh, but then we're only going to win one more to finish six and six. I mean, and overall in the league, what do we got? Overall in the league, we would finish two and six. Is what I got them. I just, I but I think that's very real. Again, I like the Tigers starting off 5-0, and but I think they get one more down the stretch. They finish 6-6, six and 2-6 six, and six overall in conference. I think the team's going to be more competitive. Again, they were pretty competitive last year, but I think the team's going to start off hot and, again, fade just due to depth and just the schedule just getting tougher. But, again, my SEC West preview for you, I have the Alabama Crimson Tide, the defending SEC West champs, starting off again, going to have a chance to go – Defend their SEC title, 12-0, 8-0 in conference. Second, Texas A&M Aggies. I like them getting hot as the season ends, finishing 10-2, 6-2 in conference. Team coming in at third, the Arkansas Razorbacks at 9-3, 5-3 in conference. 
fourth, like Mississippi State and their experience to go eight and four, four and four, be a great year with that tough of a schedule. Uh, fifth, we got LSU going eight and four, four and four, getting that eight win, eighth win that Brian Kelly needs to springboard them into 2023 and beyond. Ole Miss, just like I said, the continuity, just losing a lot. Going to go seven and five, three and five in conference. In the year slow, and I finally got the Auburn Tigers. Someone has to finish seventh in the West. I will. I do think they'll be better than what the record shows. But like they say, you are what your record is. I do think they finish six and six, two and six in conference. And that's how I think the SEC West shakes out. And I think that's how it'll finish this year in the 2022 season. And thanks for joining us for this week's episode here with us at Mock 10 Sports. Remember, I'm your host, Dave Shumate. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube at the Mock 10 Sports YouTube channel. Give us a follow on our social media avenues here at Mock 10 Sports on Twitter and at Mock 10 Sports SEC on Instagram. We're going to have great content, all things SEC football, basketball, and baseball as we get rolling into this uh, athletics year. Um, look forward to bringing you the SEC East preview on our next episode. With that being said, have a great week.